For the past three years, the Science of Reading Star Awards have honored educators who are beacons of light, guiding their classrooms, schools, districts, and most importantly, students through transformations with literacy. Now join us as we honor this year's winners at a special celebration event, which will feature celebrity keynoters and past podcast guests, Mitchell Brookins. Two years ago, one of my students as a school administrator came to me on the playground and he said, Mr. Brookins, I want to be like the other kids. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Mr. Brookins, I want to learn how to read. And Malcolm Mitchell. When I scored a touchdown, they either probably put my name in a newspaper, people probably tell me good job all around town. But when I finished one book, no one ever said anything. So which one am I more likely to repeat? Find out more information and register for the 2024 Science of Reading Star Awards ceremony at amplify.com slash Star Awards celebrations. That's amplify.com slash Star Awards celebration, all one word. How do we help students become confident readers? What meaningful conversations should we have to overcome barriers to equity and inclusivity in the classroom? Welcome to Season 4 of Science of Reading, the podcast. I'm your host, Susan Lambert. This season, we're exploring important topics that impact our students every day. Reading acceleration and recovery, inclusivity, and meeting students just where they're at on their reading journey. We've lined up an amazing team of experts who will inspire you as they share their perspectives to find fresh ways to help you support your students. This season, we're also honoring educators who have driven change in their district by successfully implementing the science of reading. You'll hear from winners of the Amplify Science of Reading Star Awards as they share their experiences fighting for students when no one else would. The science of reading movement continues to grow, and as educators, we will continue to grow with it. It's vital that we focus on research-based practices to deliver classroom instruction that allows students to learn. The more we learn and listen, the more we'll be prepared to lead. Our students are counting on us. Today, we bring you a very special episode to celebrate you, our listeners. We recently hit an amazing milestone, over 1 million downloads. Frankly, the Science of Reading podcast team has been blown away by the interest, amazed and honored that we can serve and support so many of you that are passionate about growing your knowledge. For those of you who aren't familiar with our corresponding Facebook page, Science of Reading the Community, please check it out. So much great information is shared among our followers, and we often push out important announcements and contests. Recently, we ask our Facebook followers to send in their experiences during the pandemic and how they used science of reading to ensure students received the best possible instruction. Today, we feature the winner of that contest, Lindsay Kemeny. We also celebrated that millionth download and ask for our listeners to send in testimonials of how this podcast has impacted their professional practice. Today, we'll also feature those during this episode. Again, today is all about celebrating you, our listeners. Just a quick warning that content in this episode includes a discussion about a child's depression and thoughts of suicide related to the struggle of learning to read. It's an important episode, and we hope that you enjoy it. 
Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm nervous and I'm excited to be here today. So, <laughs> Well, just for our listeners, the reason that we met is actually you were the winner of a video that was submitted. And I think the, the topic of it was um, the science of reading and, you know, sort of in the pandemic, how you approached it in their classroom and your submitted video one first place. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. And we'll link our listeners in the show notes to that if they haven't seen it. But what was so amazing about it is you covered all aspects of the science of reading, including sort of pr the professional development end of it. So kudos to you. That was really great. Yeah. Thank you. I actually had a lot of fun making that video. I had just learned how to make some videos using Canva the week before. And so when I saw that, it said, you know, you can do a poster video. I was like, oh, yes, I'll do a video. I thought it was really fun. So yeah, it was it was so natural. Like, <laughs> it was just really natural the way that you did it. And we'll talk later about this. But um, but after being introduced to you, I found out you have quite an influence in the science of reading community already. So we're going to unpack that a little bit on today's episode. Okay. <laughs> but before we get there, we'd love to hear about your journey as an educator, because you're still teaching in the classroom now. Yeah. So um, um, talk to us a little bit about what your early years in teaching were like versus your your years teaching now. Okay. Um, yeah. So in college, in my early years of, of teaching, I was heavily trained in balanced literacy. So that's all I knew. And I teaching reading has always been my favorite thing. So I've I've you know always loved it. But I feel like those early years, there's kind of like I was surrounded by this thick fog, and I didn't really understand how students learn to read. Um, I just knew I would surround them with books and I would teach, you know, I would read to them and I would have them read and we'd read together and somehow they're going to, you know, magically learn, learn how to yeah, read. Magically <laughs> learn how to read. Exactly. So, um, you know, and we had, you know, I did all those little, you know, guess the covered word and, you know, these little games and I just know I, you know, I didn't understand that there was possibly something wrong with those. I remember a parent coming to me one time concerned that, oh, you know, my child is looking at the pictures and guessing from the pictures. And I just remember confidently saying, yes, that is what good readers do. They look at the pictures to figure out the word because that had been drilled into me so much, right? Sure. Um, and so now it's just like this, uh, you know, complete 180. Um, I feel like the fog is lifted. I just have so much clarity now. Um, and I understand what to do. I understand, you know, when I have a struggling reader, I know to drill down and see where their weakness is. And I just, mm -hmm. now I teach, you know, before I, I thought I taught phonics, but it was really just, okay, look this, there, let's do this word chunk today because it came up in our story. Right. And now I have a sequence of skills and um, I teach phonemic awareness now where it wasn't even on my radar before. Um, you know, I'm intentional vo with vocabulary, opportunities for fluency, you know, um, understanding the role of background knowledge. I just feel like everything is, is so much more clear now. Hmm. That's really important. I think um, even in John Hattie's work, he talks a lot about clarity of instruction is super important to student learning. And so we've talked a lot about that too, about the elements in the simple view of reading of what kids need to learn how to read. Um, it's interesting you talk about it as a fog, like you've yeah. had a fog before. <laughs> and I just remember those, like, those little struggling readers 
And I just really, I, I didn't know what to do for them. Like, okay, we're going to keep plotting away in our, you know, leveled books and eventually it's going to click. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I'm just so much more intentional with everything I do now. Mm-hmm. What grade do you teach now? I teach second grade. You teach second. All right. Yeah. So that's an I, important year. Yeah, it is. And I just, um, so when I was first teaching, I taught second grade for five years. Then I took a long break um, to, to stay home with my children. Um, so I had like a 12 year break and then I went back to teaching um, several years ago and was teaching kindergarten. And then just last year I switched back to second grade again. Okay. So, well, so super important years for sure. Yeah. Um, where is it in your journey? Let's talk a little bit about, so you've, you've had this, this sort of, you talk about your teacher experience in your professional journey, but you've also had some journey as um, a, a parent of a child that struggles to learn how to read. Let's talk about that. And then let's bring those two things together a little bit. Okay. Um, there was a couple of things that were happening the same year and it was my first year teaching kindergarten. And so, um, you know, in kindergarten, you're naturally, you're, you're teaching the letters. That's one of the main yeah. things they need to learn. So the sounds of the alphabet. And then I just remember bringing the students back to my small group table and being so frustrated because um, I would give them the book that was provided, you know, to me through the big box curriculum. And suddenly I'm like, oh, wait, you can't sound this out, you know? And I was so excited to say, now you know your letter sounds, let me show you how you can read words. But the books yeah. that I had were just predictable, you know, text, repetitive text. Mm-hmm. The only way to read them would be to guess from the picture or memorize the pattern. And so I just remember being so frustrated. Um, and all those strategies that I had learned in second grade, when I had taught before, um, like, you know, look at the picture and look at the first word, what would make sense? They never seemed damaging before until now, I could see that I'm like, I'm giving these kids the wrong idea of what reading is by using mm. this. I wanted them to be practicing their letter sound knowledge. And instead, it's like, we're doing the opposite thing at small group table, if that makes sense. So I started getting a little uneasy about the things I had been taught that year. And then that same year, so I was, it's my first year teaching kindergarten. My son was in second grade. Um, He had been struggling for a while and he had been struggling. You know, I noticed in, in preschool how he really struggled to learn the letters and letter sounds. I didn't know why I had, you know, used all the things that I had been taught, you know, (laughs) in college, nothing was working. And in the end of second grade, he was diagnosed with dyslexia mm. and not just dyslexia, but severe dyslexia because it's on a spectrum. And the doctor told me that out of all the patients he tests every year, my son was in the 1%, meaning only 1% were as severe as he Wow. Wow. So, um, and I just remember being like, dyslexia, what is that? Isn't that just where you see backwards? He doesn't have that, you know, <laughs> which is not what it is. Right. But, um, so that just, I started researching into dyslexia and that brought me to, you know, what dyslexics need to read and then what everyone needs to read, what the brain does when it reads. And just, it brought me to this body of research that we now call the science of reading. And just the more I learned, the more angry I was at first, I was really mad. And when, when I found out that, you know, dyslexia is the most commonly diagnosed learning disability, I was like, why was I never taught about it? And why have I never had professional development on it? And, um, and then just when I, like, it took me, it was kind of a process for 
learn, like, you know, I didn't realize right away that the things I had been taught were wrong, even though I was getting uneasy about them. But the more I got into it, I was like, I was not only not taught the right way to teach reading, I was taught the wrong way. And I was taught things that aren't aligned with science and things that have been debunked by science. So I was, I was just, I don't know, I was really upset. I also felt guilty for the, for my earlier students that I wasn't able to help. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Robin Green. I'm a third grade teacher in California. I was introduced to the science of reading through an Emily Hanford podcast. And it was really, I stumbled on it by a stroke of luck. And when I heard the information she was giving about the science of reading, my mind was blown. And yet it somehow seemed to make perfect sense. It explained exactly what I was seeing happen in my classroom. My self-motivated or quote-unquote higher readers were doing well with really whatever lesson I taught them. They were able to, to understand it or do it probably in spite of me, to be honest. And the kids who maybe struggled a little bit more, um, they weren't getting everything they needed. And now that I had the information about the science of reading, I knew why. And so as soon as I heard that, I, I started devouring as much information as I could. I read articles, I purchased books, and I listened to more podcasts. I joined the Science of Reading communities on Facebook, and I'm so thankful for all the information that I got. Um, what I would do, you know, when we know better, we do better. And so, you know, every other week or so, I'd start slowly introducing things that I would learn in these articles or books. And I would go to my teaching partner and I'd say, hey, I'm uh, thinking about trying this. What do you think? And she was so gracious, gracious and would say, yeah, sure, let's try it. And so... I slowly started incorporating science of reading practices in my own practice and honestly the you know last year at the end of distance learning somebody a kid came up to me and say oh you know you're you're the one who taught me to read and so, and I'm in third grade and I'm like oh you you came in knowing how to decode but taught her how to read so I started you know, with fluency and phonemic awareness, and I would do repeated readings to build their fluency. I knew they needed that bridge between decoding and comprehension. And this year, I'm super excited. I'm going to try a sound wall in my room. I'm going to try to link the decoding and phonics that the students know and that we're learning with encoding or spelling, because I feel like that's one area that I've always struggled, and I'm so excited to be able to give these students these tools to help them kind of crack the code. So I'm so grateful to the Science of Reading community and what they're doing for my students. I have a son too that was diagnosed with dyslexia and just, I, I mean, the, that emotional, that, you know, what it takes, the toll, the emotional toll it takes on both a parent and a child when you, you know, when you get that diagnosis, then it's another sort of step in the process. But yeah, how that, that must've been hard knowing that you're also an elementary professional and you didn't know anything about dyslexia. Absolutely. It was really, and that's why I kind of felt this guilt and anger, you know, but I just thought I'm a teacher and I can't help my own son how to read, you know, until I started learning. Um, so yeah, it was, and it was hard. You're talking about the emotional. Um, my son was diagnosed with um, depression as well at the same time. Mm. And, uh, you know, I didn't, and it was all kind of centered around, you know, his feelings about himself with, with learning and reading. And that was, that was hard, that whole, you know, and I didn't understand at first how deeply, you know, he felt, but that ability, the ability to read is so tightly connected to our self-esteem. 
Mm, and, yeah. you know, and I see that now I've seen like grown men cry talking about the the struggles that they had when reading and it's just heart wrenching. And I remember later I knew my son had dyslexia, but it wasn't until like he was diagnosed in the spring and it was later in the fall. Um, I was working with him and I was doing these little flashcards and I was, I remember I was holding up OW for Al and he was supposed to say that. And I, he looked at me and it's like, I could see the process going through his eyes where he was like, I knew this yesterday. Why Mm. don't I know this today? And he just, he looked up at me and his eyes just filled with tears. And he's like, I just hate my brain mom. And then he just started sobbing, like just these deep, heavy sobs. I'd never heard him cry like that. I mean, it was just different. And I just, I pulled him up onto my lap and just, he just, just sobbed. And I just, oh, I need to do something, you know? And so I I started, you know, looking into depression and what can I do? And there were things that helped throughout that year, but at the end of the third grade year, um, things really got bad. Um, He looked, I just, I'll never forget this time when He looked me in the eyes and he said, I just wish I was one of those babies that got left in a hot car. Oh, and it was like knife in the heart. Yeah. And I just, and suddenly, you know, just everything got so much worse. And there were a lot of suicidal comments and things and just things that a mother should never have to hear. And a little boy should never have to feel, you know? And, um, I just, that's when I was like, I need to do something. And we had, and by this point I had had more training and more research and I felt like, okay, I'm going to start working with him. And um, we were doing tutoring, um, but it was only twice a week because it was really expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. But now that I had some training and I understood, I was like, I'm going to take this over and now we can work every day. And that's when I really saw the difference in his depression because as his reading ability improved, his self-esteem improved. And I just felt like his heart was healing. And, um, and I remember that into that, that summer, he was about to start fourth grade and we were at a family reunion and everyone's going around introducing themselves. And he said, I have dyslexia, but I can read fourth grade books. He was like, so proud And, you know, it's been, it's just been neat to see. I just feel like the science of reading is what helped heal him. You know, Mm. we haven't had any like negative comments like that for like a year and a half, I think. Um, Not that he's a perfect reader. We're still improving, but it's so much better. And that has just affected his confidence. Wow. And to hear the, first of all, oh, how heart-wrenching of, and and not uncommon with kids that really struggle with dyslexia that the depression goes hand in hand that um yeah. you know the reading co- and building reading confidence really has an impact on that so um congratulations to you for digging in and to him too because that takes an essence of resilience um, yeah. on his part to be able to 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 make that happen um and then like professionally then you can't not have that experience in the personal world and that not impact you professionally. So what was that journey like in parallel? Yeah. So because I started, you know, everything I was applying with my son, I started applying in my classroom Mm. and um, 
And it was like I was a starved animal because I just kept learning and learning like I couldn't get enough. <laughs> I mean, my bookshelf has grown so much the last few years because I just I just kept reading and watching webinars and listening to podcasts and everything. And then I would just, I loved applying those things in the classroom. And it was so exciting to see because now, you know, the growth of my students is amazing. And um, I could just see the difference. Like I can, I know what to do for these students that are struggling and I know how to help them. And when I taught kindergarten, it was great because I felt like I could prevent a lot of our future problems by just getting them on this, you know, mm-hmm. path. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that if they, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to cure their learning disabilities, right? But if they have proper intervention from the beginning, they're a lot better off. And then now I'm teaching second grade. It's a little more complicated because I've got to remediate, not just prevent. Um, but I, I love it. I love the challenge. Hmm. Do you? I know this is stretching your memory, probably. Do you remember the 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 first impactful thing that you learned that you actually applied in your classroom? Oh, hmm. <laughs> that's a hard time. <laughs> that one was out of the blue. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'm not sure. Like I know just, I could say phonemic awareness because like I, I didn't even, that wasn't, I didn't even really know that was a thing <laughs> I saw before. And so, and then, then it made more so much sense when you have this student that's like, wait, they know their sounds, but now, you know, when I was teaching kindergarten, but they, they can't blend. Now I knew, oh, okay, I need to explicitly teach them how to blend or, mm-hmm. you know, segment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're thinking, you're I'm thinking. thinking, I'm trying to think of something else, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. How about, how about if I ask the question another way? What about the, the one strategy that you employed that you saw your diff, saw a real difference with the kids, like an aha strategy that you had? Hmm, an aha strategy. Well, I mean, it's like there's not one like magic cure, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there's so, so many different things. Um, and like I, I see a huge difference in, you know, teaching phonics now, like yes. explicit systematic phonics where I didn't before. Yeah. And I understand not to neglect the other side of Scarborough's reading rope. So we still need to vocabulary and comprehension that was one thing with my son I really learned because when he was in third, you know, he was that third grade year, his reading is still so far behind and they would do that silent reading in the classroom. And I was really adamant. He needs to listen to audiobooks during that time because he needs to be exposed to grade level content and vocabulary. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that's, that really helped him because right now, now his, um, his, comprehension and vocabulary isn't lagging behind, right? And so now he can read accurately on grade level, hasn't caught up in fluency yet, but he can understand and his vocabulary is pretty good. So I attribute that partly to that. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Just the idea that, um, yeah, there's two sides, the reading rope, you know, there's two things that kids need to develop and not, not to do one or exclude the other. I think it's one of the myths of science of reading, right? People say, oh, those yeah. science are reading people, all they're worried about is phonics, yeah. which isn't true. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. It isn't true. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Well, so you're you're still teaching in the classroom. So you're half time in the second grade classroom and and that's all you teach, right? Is is the ELA portion. Yeah, right now I'm just teaching ELA um, because I get to work with my son um, when I'm not working. So I get to pull him and provide, you know, some of his 
resource time in reading mm-hmm. and writing. So, yeah. That's amazing. So now I'm going to ask you a, a question about, I mean, what you're describing here is really true teacher leadership, right? Teachers in the classroom, knowing something's not quite right, seeking and looking for that information, implementing it and seeing an impact on student achievement. Um, what what was that like with uh, with other teachers in your building? Like, were others seeing what you were doing? Were they like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> yeah, I love the teachers that I work with. And they all kind of, they know they can come to me with questions and things, which is awesome. I love that. And we're all, my district is making the transition to the science of reading right now. So um, this past year, we started, our school started letters training and it was just so nice because it just brought up all these conversations more. Like it wasn't just, you know, what is that crazy Lindsay Kennedy doing down the hall? <laughs> now, you know, we could kind of talk about it all together and um, and they could kind of understand, you know, mm. why I was doing what I, what I was doing. So. We'll be right back. I'm so grateful for this podcast and the role it has played in my science of reading journey. This is my ninth year as a literacy strategist, supporting teachers through coaching and professional learning. And about six months ago, a friend of mine and a colleague shared something that she discovered on a Facebook page about the science of reading. And I had never heard the term before, um, but I was intrigued. And she sent me the link to the Facebook page. And ever since then, I have taken a deep dive into the science of reading, reading every book I can get my hands on. I discovered Amplify's Science of Reading podcast, and I couldn't listen to episodes fast enough. I was hearing from educators like Tim Shanahan, Louisa Motes, Tim Rosinski, and so many others talking about the things that I've practiced and believed in for so many years. So not all of the information was necessarily brand new to me, but what I was gaining was the why behind it all. It had never been explained to me how the brain learns to read, And this newfound learning connected so many dots for me. And it was suddenly so clear why certain strategies work and why certain strategies don't. So it was validating, relieving, confusing, and frustrating all at the same time and left me wondering, why aren't all teachers receiving this crucial information? So hearing from these educators renewed my passion for early literacy. I was inspired to bring the information to the teachers that I work with and as quickly as I possibly could. I began designing resources and professional learning for the teachers at my school. But unfortunately, we had to offer this voluntary, unpaid professional learning over the summer. And while I wasn't expecting much of a turnout, we had 32 teachers come for a combined total of almost 150 hours of professional learning on their own time. Teachers are hungry for this information. And we may not be learning about it in our teacher prep programs, which is another issue that needs to be fixed. But I'm so grateful for resources like Science of Reading, the podcast, for making it accessible to teachers. And I'm so excited about what we're going to be able to do for our kids this year. So about your blog, you actually wrote a blog entry that did get a lot of attention. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was kind of my, the first post that got a lot of attention called Sink or Swim. And it was just, I was just, I was, I just, I could see, I was like, I can see so clearly now what's happening and how these 
strategies that I was using before, these three cueing strategies, how they really, they give the appearance of reading. They give like this false sense of security, but my students really weren't reading. I could see that. And um, for example, I had a student that first kindergarten year that had just struggled learning her letters. I didn't know how to help her. This is before I had, you know, learned the learn learned about the science behind yeah. reading. And, okay. um, and I just, I remember giving the, giving her the end of year state mandated test. And she was able to read that end of year level book perfectly. And like, she just kind of looked at it and she saw, Oh, that's probably I, and she saw the picture and she was like, I like the ball. I like the, you know, whatever it right. said. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started, Oh my goodness, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Um, they, so, and then I was sitting in my kids swim lessons and, um, and I was just thinking about my, my two older boys when they were learning how to swim and they would just be like, the teacher would have the kids swim back and forth through the pool. And my two boys were literally walking through the pool. And then they were doing this, these streaming, the, I mean, swimming strokes with their arms and they're like, Hey mom, we're swimming, you know, and they're literally <laughs> walking through the pool, but they're going through the motions. Oh my God. And I just thought, Yes, this is just like reading. I just like this is the perfect analogy because yeah. they're going through the motions, but are they really reading? You know, you got to look under the water to see if they're really reading. So anyway, I just thought it was the perfect analogy. And I wrote that post, um, Sink or Swim, and it got a lot of attention. Um, Emily Hanford is one that saw it on Twitter and tweeted it. And, um, and because of that, Emily later reached out to me and um, invited me to speak with her at the Research Ed Conference in 2019. So that was that's that amazing. Was really awesome. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Valerie, and I started listening to the Amplify Science of Reading podcast this past year as one of my first real introductions to the science of reading. I am grateful for each episode as it's been so valuable to my journey to become a more effective reading teacher. I've always felt like my instruction just wasn't meeting all of my students' needs and that something was missing from the curriculum and how we traditionally taught children how to read. When I was able to learn about the science of reading and listen to all the leading experts on how to change my instruction to align with the science, it was like I was finally validated in that what we are currently doing is not working. I now have hope that I can truly help my students grow as readers with the knowledge I've gained. I've spent the summer listening to the podcast all the way back from season one and reading as much as I can from the various books that have been suggested. My favorite episodes were about deconstructing the reading rope because they helped me understand the importance of each part of becoming a successful reader. I'm so excited to implement what I've learned to my classroom this year and hopefully start sharing with my coworkers as well. Thank you for continuing to educate everyone about the science of reading. So like I said, listeners will be linked to the, to the blog in the show notes so they can go back and actually read that. What a great analogy or description of what's happening in the early grades in the classrooms. Um, <laughs> and then the experience to co-present yeah. with Emily Hanford. Oh my goodness. Was that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was surreal. And hearing her, you know, quote something I wrote was just really like, wow, that was awesome. I was just I was so excited. I was totally fangirling when I met her, you know, trying to be all cool. You know, I'm sitting here spending the day with Emily Hanford. No big deal, you know, <laughs> but it was awesome. I'm just so grateful for her because she's brought so much um, attention to this problem that, you know, 
she deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. We, we all in the community agree. Like she's done just so much to put forward and break open sort of the message. And so, um, that's really amazing that you, number one, that you put yourself out there too. Like writing a blog post is, that's pretty vulnerable to put yourself in that position. Um, and then for that to, you know, be affirmed and rewarded in terms of the accomplishment. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and then that led to, you know, it's taken me a while to put all these pieces of your influence together, but that also led to a reading league, uh, article. So an article that was actually published in, was it the first, second edition of the reading league journal or something? Yeah, it was their second one. So that was really neat. And again, just, you know, when I started this blog, I didn't think it would get, um, you know, that much notice really. But um, um, Maria Murray from the Reading League saw several of my posts and she invited me to write an article for um, their journal and it was their second one. So let's see, I think that was the 2020, I think it's the May, June 2020 issue. And I got to share my experience and kind of talk about how I came into the science of reading. And that was really neat. That was Mm -hmm. A need to take part in that. Yeah, that's really, again, an amazing opportunity. And, and you know, we, we talked earlier in about you really being a model for a teacher leader, because in our pre-call, I ask you, you know, what do you, what are you thinking about? You know, what's next for you? You've been, had this great aha moment personally, professionally, you know, your son's doing better. Um, you definitely have a passion for the science of reading work. And you said, well, right now I just have a passion to work directly with kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I've been asked a lot. I've had people say, oh, you should be a literacy coach or, you know, have you thought of going in administration or do you want to write curriculum? And I just, I so love being in the classroom right now that I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine not working with these kids. And I just think there's so many that need me. And I just really want to be on the front lines, helping as many students as I can directly. And I love doing things on the side. And I love, you know, answering questions on the side and presenting at conferences and different things. But my true passion and love is being in the classroom and teaching the students. So I don't know if that will change in the future or not. Um, but I, I can't imagine it changing right now, but I guess you never know. But I, I just love it. I'm one of those, you know, it's the beginning of the year and I'm one of those like, oh, I can't wait. School's about to start, you know. So I just love it. Uh, well, thank you for that. And thank you for what you do for kids, because we need more and more um, teachers that are understanding the science of reading and are passionate about it like you are. And there are many teachers that are making that shift and, and looking to do things differently. And so I wonder, um, as we sort of close out, what kind of advice you ha- would have for our listeners that are doing what you're doing on the front lines, trying to make some change um, and moving into the science of reading or evidence-based practices? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, so I think um, I think baby steps because it can be overwhelming to think of, oh my goodness, I've got to overhaul my whole reading instruction, right? But if we just think of doing one thing at a time. And so I would say never stop, stop learning, 
start learning, listening, you know, your listeners are already listening to great podcasts. So that's good. Um, get books, you know, engage in high quality trainings. Um, and I would say to, if you're, you know, brand new to learning about the science of reading, stop using the three queuing system and those um, right away because that's doing damage, right? It's creating these, these habits that are really hard to break. And so I would say stop using the three queuing system. And that's those beanie baby strategies, you know, mm-hmm. looking at the picture and guessing and looking at the first word and figuring out from context. Um, if you teach kindergarten, get rid of those predictable repetitive texts because we want students to practice their, you know, letter sound knowledge. Um, and I would say have grace with yourself and with others. It's easy to beat yourself up if you were, um, you know, like me. I felt guilty for students I wasn't able to reach before. Um, so I love the phrase that we have in the science of reading community that we say, know better, do better. Mm-hmm. And just remember remember that, you know, forgive yourself, forgive others. We're all learning. So and just take it one step at a time. That is really great advice. Um, Well, we really appreciate you coming on to help us um, further the message. Thank you for the work that you do. And we will for sure stay connected um, by following you now that we know all about the great work that you're doing. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening and keep your feedback coming. Want to learn more? Be sure to stay connected by subscribing to your favorite podcast app and join our Facebook discussion group, Science of Reading the Community. And visit Amplify.com to check out our brand new resource site, offering all the tools and tips you need to continue on your Science of Reading journey. Until next time, keep the hope, take the action, and stay in touch. Let's get our kids to love reading.